0: Welcome to Sound Practice, the business podcast for physicians and practice leaders, hosted by Cheryl Toth and Mike Sikopoulos, and produced by Green Branch Publishing.
1: Welcome to Sound Practice, everybody. I'm Mike Sikopoulos, and I am here in the virtual studio today with my lovely co-host, Cheryl Toth.
2: Hey, Mike. Thank you for that fine compliment. What's new in your world?
1: You know, not not a lot. I, it feels like fall is um, is starting to, to set in. And it always comes with things that we need to do. Fall is here, and I have uh, once again fallen behind myself. What about you?
2: (laughs) Well, um, I'm always falling behind myself. But I have to say here, we don't really have much of a fall, other than maybe the light. Because here in Arizona, I think yesterday it was 102. So uh, we still kind of are feeling summer. But one good thing about right now is that last Saturday, fall started in terms of college football and Michigan won the first football game of the preseason. So I'm happy. I'm a happy camper.
1: Excellent. All right. That sounds, and that is, you're right, a good good fall fall activity.
2: Definitely. Definitely. And you know, I like that you opened this podcast today by reminding listeners that we are recording in the virtual studio, because today we're going to talk about managing virtual teams. And like at least 50% of the U.S. population, that's what the data say, um, who now work remotely at least some of the time, you and I develop and record this podcast remotely, so we are a virtual team.
1: Oh, right? yeah. High five, teammate, member. That's, uh, yeah, a- absolutely, we are a virtual team. I hadn't thought of it that way, but 50%, really, um, seems high. What do you think?
2: Well, um, that's what Forbes said in a recent article. And remember, it's, uh, you know, it's not that more than 50% or at least 50% work 100% remotely, but at least some of the time. Because uh, I, think, okay. I think we can agree that it's pretty common now for companies to offer a remote working option to people, right. at least you know, part of the time. Um, and working virtually is a huge happiness perk for people. And I know that because I've been a remote worker since 1995, and I love it.
1: Wait, totally wait! Loving. Roll back to t- 1995, Tothi. Really? Yes. Before yes. Facebook.
2: Yes. Before
1: even Google.
2: Yes. Wow,
1: <laughs> impressive, Tothi. Thank you. You were way ahead of the uh, of the power uh, curve on on that one, um, and I assume that's why uh, you've chosen to talk about managing virtual teams today because you've really lived and breathed this for what 25 years.
2: Yeah, I I really have. And I have been, and I currently am a remote worker for multiple clients and and teams. And over the years, I've hired people I've never met in real life and I've managed them virtually. I've worked remotely for eight years for a large health system client. And I traveled there every six to eight weeks. Mm. Um, I've been a director of marketing for a company that was over 2000 miles away. And I was even the first employee remotely for a healthcare technology company. So- I've worked remotely for a long time in a lot of different ways.
1: Employee number one. I guess that's uh, that very impressive, uh, Tothi. So this means that you're going to be able to share your experiences, strengths, and um, give us all kinds of good information on this topic of managing a virtual team because of your great depth of experience here. So I'm looking forward to it.
2: Well, I'm hoping that that will be the case. And I do think that the provider and delivery side of healthcare has been slower to adopt remote working, Remote working, but I do feel like it's, it's happening a little more now. You see more home-based billing and coding staff, practice managers, hospital executives, and administrators. So that's why we thought this would be a good opportunity to talk about uh, some of the sure. challenges, some of the Success factors and lessons learned that I can share, and I think you as well, but if you think mm-hmm. about it, for physician practices, there are some roles like transcriptionists, billing services have kind of been virtual teams for some time now. you know when you really think about it, it they behave like a virtual team, and um, large health systems that are geographically spread out, they've had executives and managers work offsite for a while. and you've had some experience, Mike, r- working remotely with certain clients, yes. Uh,
1: that absolutely, I've had um, worked with with teams and um, across the country and uh, doing lots of work, probably like most of our listeners off of a um, a smartphone. Uh, this is the modern version of that Jimmy Buffett uh, song about ruling your world from a payphone. Well, now maybe we're ruling our world from a from a smartphone or a a, a tablet.
2: Yes, I think we are. I think we are. So before we go any further, I've created a little game to give our listeners a sense about the state of remote working in America and ruling by our smartphones, if you will. Um, I'm calling it Stump the Lawyer. That's better than
1: Stump the Chump. Okay.
2: (laughs) Okay. It's five questions. Are you ready?
1: I, I, both ready and nervous because okay. I have not, in, in fairness to everybody, I have not seen these questions, have I, Tothi? No, I'm no. Qualifying we want to find what fun. may become poor responses uh, here <laughs> momentarily, but, but proceed, my friend.
2: All right, that's okay because we do have the correct answers here from the data. So most of the data points are taken from the 2018 report, the State of Remote Working, which surveyed nearly nearly 2,000 remote workers. So I already mentioned that at least 50% of the U.S. population works remotely at least some of the time. What do people say is the biggest benefit of working remotely, Mike? What do you think? Mm,
1: the clothing attire that they get to wear. <laughs> Good it, answer. Well, <laughs> it,
2: um, well, I, kind of. do I
1: get a big, eh, is, well, that, is you're, it wrong? You're,
2: you're kind of right. And here's why I say that. The answer is that the biggest benefit of working remotely, people say, is the flexible schedule. said flexible schedules. So you could kind of say that the flexible work attire, the flexible dress code, let's throw, let's give you a partial. Okay,
1: you're being charitable. I kind of like this. Okay. At at this point, I have a a mental image um, of a family feud. And, you know, they're giving these people the answer when it's not really the correct answer. And okay, uh, this is good. You're you're kind of my new Steve Harvey. Have at it. Let's go. Uh,
2: all right. And the second one, just so folks know, is spend time with family. That's 15%. So flexible schedule, spend time with family. Oh, and ability to travel. That's a total of almost 75% of people. So those are really the top. Okay, okay. That
1: all makes sense. That yeah, sounds, yeah. Sounds legit.
2: I, I think that that's, um, that's right. I mean, I th- the flexible schedule for me, that is absolutely the, the number one thing. All right. So question two, what, do you, what is the difference between a remote worker and a digital nomad?
1: Oh a digital nomad. Um well that, that has a, a sci-fi feel to it. Um <clears throat> not sure that I am aware of a digital uh, nomad, but but my guess would be that a remote worker has a remote location from which he or she operates where the nomad um is just free ranging.
2: Oh, that's so good. Free range working. I like that being a it shouldn't vegan, be limited
1: you know? to uh to chicken. <laughs>
2: Right. Well, you, you are definitely on the right track here. That That's basically the right answer, which is a remote worker is somebody who works remotely, but usually for a company or for clients. They may come in sometimes to an office, um, but they are, you know, they're kind of they've got sort of standardized projects and clients or a company a digital nomad is somebody who really is making a lifestyle out of working from the road so there's a lot of people now under 40 doing this they're traveling internationally um, and they just work from wherever they are they're typically writers bloggers or they could be it you know software engineers Mm -hmm. things like that there are even companies now like one of them is called selena Started in Latin America, who are getting on board with this by creating co working spaces, which we're going to talk about a little bit, and putting uh, places to stay. So they're like a hotel slash co working space slash places where you can meet people, do yoga class, you know, making like a whole lifestyle out of nomadic free range, as Mike says.
1: Digital nomads. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Okay. So, number three. Um, define distributed team relative to remote working. What is a distributed team?
1: Oh, um, why does this, this strike me as some question off of a final I had in, in college? <laughs> okay, my answer is in three parts. No, um, <clears throat> I think that a distributed uh, team would be uh, that, they are, that they are spread about. How's that for a simplistic answer?
2: Yes, you're half right. They are geographically dispersed, but here's the other key thing. They work across time and space, but everyone is remote 100% of the time versus a person who has a home office or versus like when there's a company that has a home office and Mm. some of their people are remote, full-time, part-time. A distributed team would be, for example, I've worked for two of these. One was a a company where we had no office there were like 10 of us and we all were in different cities and we were just a remote team, hundred percent. And then the tech startup I mentioned, we started by, I mean, quote, our home office was Orchard Valley Coffee in Campbell, California. We would joke about it cause that's where we would meet, <laughs> but, but we would, you know, one of us, was Did in they Francisco, know? one was in San Jose, one was in uh, Sunnyvale. Another one was in the East Bay. You see Did
1: Orchard Valley Coffee now? Yeah, were the because home you know
2: any coffee shop in the Bay Area, okay. you know, they're used to this kind of thing, right? Gotcha. Okay. So let's see. Let's talk about question number four. What about the dark side of remote working? Ooh, let's cover that. What do you think folks say about their struggles working from home or remotely from cafes and the like? What what do they say is the biggest challenge of remote working?
1: Uh, I would think it would be uh, isolation, loneliness.
2: Ding, 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 ding. You hit if, that one. If, if I got one, finally, yes. loneliness I'm, is twenty-one percent. I'm two
1: fifty. Okay.
2: Yep, yep. And um, there was research published in HBR, Harvard Business Review, recently that talked about how employees are much more likely to feel alienated or disconnected when compared to on-site employees, and Um, This does pose a communication issue for leaders. We're going to talk about that today. So if you're managing a group of employees, you really need to think about whether everyone is working toward the same goal and how they're doing and, you know, all of those things that can happen. And let me just run through a couple of the the other struggles that this data show were um, issues for people. Collaborating and communicating, 21% said that's a challenge. Um, I think I would agree with that. Distractions at home, sixteen percent. Um, uh, see,
1: I would have thought it would have been way higher than sixteen, but maybe that's more of a reflection upon myself than than others, right? I'm easily well, distracted, I guess.
2: Maybe, or you know, if you have kids in the home or barking pets or you know, things like that. Like actually right now it's so funny that this came up because I hope it doesn't come across on the podcast, but um, and I don't think it does because of our fancy fancy mics, Mike, but uh, there's this teenager three doors down and across the street who has one of those supercharged? you know, these cars that young people have now, Mustangs (laughs) or whatever, Lord. So he turned, you know, he just started it up and it's like louder than it needs to be. Why did people do this? I don't know. But anyway, that could be a distraction as well. So
1: I I, I hear that and I think there's no way that person has enough insurance coverage, but that's just, that's just me.
2: Yeah. So distractions, I'm staying motivated, not an issue for me being often, working too much. uh, But 14% say that's a challenge. Time zone challenges are another one. um, 13%. So there you go. Now let's do the fifth one so we can get on with our interview. What was PC anywhere, Mike? That is question number five. What was PC anywhere? Do you remember that term?
1: Um, I think that that. that's where you can um, remote into your home base uh, computer.
2: Yes. Yes. So PC Anywhere, for those of you under Oh, I
1: only get that because it's an, old, uh, it's an old idea and system, right?
2: Yes, it is. It's an old piece of software that was made by Symantec, which does all the antivirus stuff, and they're still around. Um, but it allowed people to remo- remote in, basically, to dial. I used this in 1995 because um, I was working on this project in Detroit for six months. I worked working remotely cleaning up this big academic medical center reimbursement office and to get messages and to get information you used pc anywhere it would literally dial your computer would dial into the server i mean are you terrified now because i know how big you are on security mike and this is way before hipaa um it would dial in
1: after it still brings it out a cold sweat oh my god this is uh frightening
2: yes it was frightening how but that's what we did that's what we did back then and it would just uh you know, you could just enter the password of the server and just get, you could have access to everything. So that was, that was frightening. So Mike, I think after that cold sweat that you broke out with the uh, PC Anywhere comment, whew, <laughs> we're through that. Um, let's discuss the results of Stump the Lawyer. You got one solidly right, ding, 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 and a couple half right. So I think you did pretty well on this quiz, On you know, with all of these great questions. And now folks have a little background about... Uh, Remote working, right?
1: Absolutely. I think you're you're being kind about the results, but I will take uh, I'll take any kind of gift that I can get. Um, and you know what, Tothi, I think we should take a little break here and come back and jump right into the uh, the meat of the subject. So, Tothi, as someone who has clearly has a tremendous amount of experience working and in, in managing virtually. Mm-hmm. Tell me what kinds of employees are a good fit for the virtual uh, working workforce? What, what kind of person are we looking for? And what kinds of jobs and responsibilities make sense to match up with those people? So it's really kind of a two-part question, right? I'm looking for the sweet spots in both employees mm-hmm. and in uh, employment jobs.
2: Well, and I'm glad you started with that question, Mike, because this is really important. Not everybody is a right fit and not everyone and not every job position is a right fit for remote working. So, you know, if you really need to be in front of patients, that's not a remote job, right? Although we do have telehealth, we're we're not going to go there in this episode, but um, I think we first have to look at the characteristics of what makes good people for good remote working people. And that would be folks who are um, self-directed. I think you would agree with that probably self-directed and okay. Being alone, you know, able to sort of figure stuff out on their own and work independently um, who don't need to ask questions constantly. I mean, obviously you can ask questions, but you need to be self-directed. And I also think positive enthusiastic people will be a lot better remotely because if you're just sort of that negative what do they call it, Debbie Downer type of a personality, <laughs> then everything that goes wrong with your Wi-Fi that day or the, you know, the gardeners are next door blowing the leaves and it's loud and, you know, oh, I can't make my, I got to do this and I can't make the conference call. It just, you go down a rabbit hole with that. Stuff. Yep. So positive, um, enthusiastic, self-directed. Another thing though, is they've got to be highly tech literate. You cannot put somebody remotely out there that doesn't, know how to, you know, really use, not just internet applications and email, because we're going to talk about email. I think that's one of the worst things for working remotely. I mean, it's a necessary evil, but, um, but yeah, you have to be able to say, okay, we're going to use, you know, Google Docs, we're going to use virtual meeting software like Zoom, we're going to, um, you know, people have to access things remotely, use apps, uh, maybe submit expenses remotely, just all kinds of things where you are going to need to use technology. So, you don't want somebody that you've got to get up to speed.
1: Gotcha. That, make, um, that all makes that all makes sense. Now, yep. what about positions or jobs for these people? What ones um, are more compatible with a virtual workforce?
2: Yeah, I think things that are administrative in nature that don't require, obviously, don't require a face-to-face need. But you know, things where. People spend a large portion of their day working lo- working independently anyway. Like somebody in billing, uh, transcription, um, your manager, a nurse manager, a marketing person, somebody who does a lot of writing, somebody who's writing code. If it's an IT person, mm-hmm. I mean, those are clearly jobs sure. that are easy. You know, to say okay, they're remote. They've been remote for a long time. I want to make one more. I want to add one more thing that I forgot to say about the characteristics or, or the type of person. Okay. I, ideally, somebody knows your culture before you throw them out to remote working. Not to say that you can't hire somebody remotely and they work remotely, but I've seen the most success when somebody has maybe worked for you or can come in sometimes, like drop in a couple times a month where they can get to know people. And, and it just makes that remote person a lot more successful if they know your culture and they're already part of it.
1: Okay. That's, that, that's uh, that, I think that that's a very good, a very good point um, and, and I like that because we need to mix in a little bit of familiarity with the organization if you're going yeah. to be working remotely um, with it. Alright, let, let's move on to things that need to be in place for this uh, virtual team to be successful. Can you give me some things that we're going to need to have in place for these folks to do well?
2: Yes. I would say, first of all, the technology stuff uh, does need to be in place. So you've got to, if it's an independent contractor, you need to make sure they have the equipment that you require, whether it's, uh, you know, this is something I run into a lot. I've, I've really tried to be starting to force people to do video meetings. And a lot of my clients, they just can't even seem to get it together to get a webcam. Or, you know, these days, laptops have the webcam in them they have for years but some organizations they don't have a laptop they've got people on a pc and there's no webcam so i think whatever Mm. equipment that you're going to require needs to be in place or if it's an independent contractor you tell them you know you need a laptop you need a webcam you need um, to use the following software because this is what we use Um, so there's that but i would say that one of the biggest things for them to be successful is as a manager a physician leader who's overseeing you've got to make time to build relationships with these people and i know everybody's busy but i'm gonna just really put that out there and honestly this i believe that truly myself but i did some research for this episode and this is what i also found consistently about success of virtual teams You have to make the time to get to know your people. You can't just jump on calls and get right to business every time, especially when they're new. You have to give that relationship time to gel, find out about their family and their dogs and what their interests are. And because sometimes, again, going back to that loneliness that you so correctly answered as a big challenge, people need to have that connection. And you've got to get that stuff handled so people feel comfortable before you get to work sometimes, I mean, Mike, what did we do before we recorded today? We chatted about a couple of things, didn't we before we we, we did got to work yeah.
1: and, and we always do right yeah i'm yep. I'm, terrib- I'm always terribly concerned about your dog, so <laughs> things like that, I mean, in all seriousness, I'm a dog guy, and um you've got a great great animal, so yeah. always checking in, but you're right this this social interaction is um is part of what we are as as humans, and we don't want that to be eliminated by working. In a virtual sense or remotely, right?
2: Yep, yep. And let me give you some other success factors that I've learned along the trail. Um, The art of the CC is what I call this. Um, When you're. I'm glad that
1: wasn't a question. Tell me about the art of the CC. The art of the CC. You
2: know, for those of you who are over 50, CC literally means carbon copy. Carbon copy. Remember? So when there were memos and they were Mm -hmm. paper way back when you would see and people would get a carbon copy just to know what was going on. You know, it wasn't somebody who needed to be directly involved in the communication, but you needed somebody needed to sort of be in the know. Well, I have found that that is absolutely critical when you're working remotely is to get people to recognize that every time there's an email that goes out when you're, sending communications out, you've got to copy a lot more people than you might have in the office. And it's not that you're copying the boss because you want the boss looking over, you know, the other person's shoulder and you want it to, sometimes people look at that as like micromanaging. It's not in a virtual team situation because if you don't copy me on something, I have no idea. If the office is in Virginia and I'm in Tucson, how would I possibly know about that conversation? So I have found the CC is really critical. And you have to explain that to people who come on board or who work remotely, you know, after being in the office, that that's what that's for. It's not about checking up on you or having the boss check up on you or the higher ups. It's just for communication. So there's that. Yeah. So I'd make that sort of part of the ground rules and expectations for folks. And then the other thing I found to be really helpful are these standing calls, standing check-ins, sync-ups, whatever you want to call them. I right. have multiple clients who like one, two are the bigger clients every Monday at one o'clock from one to two. I, I have a standing call with the marketing coordinator of you know, a particular client. And we get a ton of stuff done and we get organized for the week and it keeps us on track and much more efficient than a call here, a call there, an email here, an email there. No, we get organized. And I have another one that's just a 30-minute check-in on Thursdays at 9 a.m. And then I have a client who, they, they manage the call, but we, as a, as a stringer, which is what I am for them, um, I check in and those are 15-minute calls, Tuesdays at 11.
1: So... Well, because they're scheduled, you don't have this weekly brouhaha of trying to find the right time and exactly. going back and forth. Yep. Can you do it this day? No. How about then? Whatever. That is annoying. So I like this idea of having to set time and everybody just get on the same page. This is when we're going to be talking. So.
2: Yep. It's really good. It's really good yep. way to do that.
1: But there, there, there gotta be, there gotta be times when um, you have a teammate that's just struggling, not doing well with uh, working in this kind of, um, kind of environment. What, what do you, what do you do to help that person?
2: Um, that is a good point. I have had people like that. I'm thinking actually of one particular person. She lived in Seattle. This was one of those distributed team situations. Um I I think I'm gonna fall back onto the relationship and the communication. You may mm-hmm. have to just stop what you're doing. And and I'm thinking too I had a couple people right now who are struggling personally. Somebody just lost her brother in law unexpectedly last Ooh. week. Yeah. Another one's having some health issues. You know, that stuff distracts you from being focused at work. So.
1: Yeah. Whether you're in an office or at home or wherever, right? I mean, life events come along and whack us upside the back of the head. Yep. Yep. So
2: I think it really does matter to let it. Listening goes so far for people just listening, just asking about them, taking an interest in their personal situation because so often the loneliness that you know we're kind of talking about here and the feeling of disconnectedness because that is something people can definitely start feeling disconnected from the home office or from the rest of the people um you've got to talk about it the other thing is if you can get people to say you know get out, take the rest of the day off, get out of the office, go for a walk, go to the art museum, go meet your daughter for lunch, you know, whatever it is. Um, If Mm -hmm. you're in a place where like in a distributed team situation, when I was in the Bay area, we would just meet at orchard Valley or we'd have lunch. Um, Sometimes you just need the face to face. I do have to say that I have found that starting to use video meetings more frequently seems to help with the struggling because people feel more connected because uh-huh. you can see each other? Would you, what would you yeah. say about that? Because we do that half the time. And don't you think yeah. it makes a difference that we see each other all the time now?
1: You know, I'd have to tell you at the start, I would have thought, no, what difference does it really make? if I? But you know what? You've converted me. It does make a difference. So I think I agree with you through personal experience. It does make a difference if you can see the, uh, see the other person.
2: Yeah, I, I, do think, I do think that that's true. And, um, you know, I want, to, um, I want to bring back a couple of other things that I realized I forgot to mention about the sort of setting ground rules and, um, you know, to sort of circumvent the struggling later, P- help people understand, especially when they're new to remote working, that this isn't something that they're going to sort of get it right away. It really is different. So it can take months for people to feel settled in being remote. And they ha- I remember when I first started it, I would feel like, oh, I have to sit at my desk all the time during those same working hours, you know, because I was used to showing up at a certain time and going home at sure. a certain time. And when you, you realize, you finally get that click and go, no, you really don't have to be near, nearby your computer. You mentioned the mobile devices that we have, you know, you can check email or whatever, you can work at 10 p.m. You can work at 10 a.m. You can work at 5 a.m. So I think, again, when people are struggling. No rest might, well, are for you the
1: laughing? wicked. Yes, no rest for the wicked, is there? No, I understand.
2: <laughs> well, we have our times. You like to work at night, and I like to work early in the morning. That's the awesome thing about virtual. You can work flexibly. Exactly. Morning. But when people are struggling, it's really helping identify what the thing is. Like, are they feeling trapped at their desk? Are they feeling like they're disconnected? So it's really just when you're managing these teams, again, it falls back on the relationship and taking the time to figure out more than you would have to in an office situation. I think what's really bothering the person, what's really, what's really causing it and, and being cool with giving it time for people to, um, to get the hang of remote working. I have to say, I, I, I'm just going to, I'll come clean with a mistake I made years ago. I brought on somebody young recommended by a few people on the team, but she'd never worked remotely. And I brought her on board and I ended up having to fire her. She's the only remote person I've ever fired. Um, I know, but she was terrible. Well, she didn't have the characteristics we talked about. You know, she really wasn't self-directed. She wasn't part of the culture. I assumed that because she was young and knew technology that she'd be good fit. And she came recommended by another teammate, but she wasn't. And I didn't give her the time. Like I was so busy with this startup that it was my fault. I should have been able to spend more time with her and helped her along, but I didn't. And unfortunately we were just so busy and we needed somebody. I just had to let her go. I I feel badly now thinking about it, but it was my responsibility. probably long since
1: moved on to, I wouldn't be too, uh, to concern, such is life. But (laughs) as, as um, as as you try to get over that, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking more about managing virtual teams. We're back and we're going to continue our conversation about managing virtual teams. But Tothi, before... Uh, We move ahead with that. Uh, There's something weighing heavily on my mind. Do you have any idea whatsoever that could be?
2: Oh, boy. Well, this sounds serious, Mike. What's up? What's going on?
1: All right. Well, I'm a little gloomy because we haven't yet had our chance uh, to address word of the show.
2: Oh. Word of the show, yes. Well, my friend, we can fix that right now. Why don't you tell me what you have in store for us today? What is the word of the show?
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I'm I'm feeling uh, feeling uh, more cheery by the moment. All <laughs> right, here 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 it comes, Tuffy. Um Ambivalence.
2: All right, Ambilance. that's your word. Ambivalence,
1: yes. having or showing simultaneously in contradictory attitudes or feelings towards something. Or someone
2: ah so maybe we are helping listeners in this episode become less ambivalent about whether to consider having their teams work remotely at least some of the time maybe
1: what uh, what's w- hope the uh, the the fight against ambivalence is uh, is daily for us all isn't it <laughs> yes. so okay so <clears throat> now I can <laughs> breathe a, a sigh of relief and, and Ooh, we can whew, with our, with our, our interview. okay so before the before the break we'd, we'd addressed what type of workers were uh, well suited to be virtual team members. We talked a little bit about the type of uh, positions uh, that work well in this this situation. and we moved to uh, the the downsides and how sometimes people can feel disconnected. And I think you brought up some really good points on, on ways to, um, uh, to address that. So let's move forward. And my, my first question here is, is what would you say to those listeners considering, um, this virtual team uh, for their employees? They like uh, what they're hearing, but, they're still concerned about productivity. Is is somebody going <clears> to <throat> be spending all their time uh, watching Days of Our Lives instead of doing <laughs> their work? You know what? How do we how do we give these people uh, some some peace of mind uh, as they're considering moving at least portion of their uh, their business to a virtual uh, workforce?
2: Well. Days of our lives has Days of our lives has never been on my agenda, but you know you're right. It you may know, be on I some. The soaps. Kind of I love good. that. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, honestly, what, <laughs> I'm <laughs> what, sorry. What the data show is just the opposite. Because when people are given the flexibility and this perk, if you will, of you know, being able to not shower and get ready I and mean, think about how much time people mm. spend commuting and getting ready for work and sure. showering and for women, put yep. their makeup on and like all of this stuff can go toward productivity. And so there uh. was some great research um, by a Stanford professor who showed that um, he did a huge study with a big, it was actually a Chinese company who that was considering let, letting their employees work remotely, found um, that it was you know, the results were that people found it was easier to concentrate. They took fewer sick days, they took fewer breaks. um, And it was, you know, they actually, he thought that there would be trade-offs, you know, between that, the the researcher did, but it turns out all the news was positive. And I think pretty much everyone that I've talked to, and I know works remotely, have the same thing where we actually get more accomplished. You're able to be focused. And uh, so I think it would be the rare edge case employee that just sort of blows it off and just isn't around. Um, So my advice to managers and physician leaders that are considering this is that, first of all, err on the side of trust (laughs) your people. I mean, you can also look at the data. Uh, There was a TED Talk on that. Stanford professor's work, by the way, um, that that productivity is really not an issue. In fact, it's almost the opposite is that people have work at, they have their office at home and they can, um, you know, work longer hours than maybe they should. I know i am been accused of that. So um, that wow. said, trust your people, but you have to set expectations. So it goes back to those ground rules, right? As you're orienting the person and building that relationship, you've got to say, you know, you're expected, uh, you you know, you're not expected to sit at your desk eight to five, but we need to have you available during these days. You're not expected to work on weekends, but if you choose to, you can. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I think that that's, uh, I think people are really grateful for the opportunity and are, are more loyal to the to the team or to the role, the job, the company, because they're able to get that flexibility. And I
1: think, I think that that's probably true, at least in my limited experience, I I would, I would agree with you. Let's, let's move, um, move on to some specifics for folks. Um, I'm very interested in, in what type of tools you recommend, or is there a certain type of software or apps that, that really optimize productivity of a virtual team?
2: Yeah, I have tried so. I'm always willing to try the latest software, right? And productivity tools. So I have tried a ton of these. And what Mm. I found is, and you know, things are going to work differently for different people, but I would say, first of all, email is the worst (laughs) because email is this asynchronous conversation that nothing is summarized. And so I really try hard in virtual environments to get people to only use email If, as if you're commute, you know, talking, you got to say something, it's more like a letter or a note, maybe, right? But Mm -hmm. not use it to manage. And so, to manage, you need something that's a cloud based tool of some sort. For example, I tend to have fallen back on Google Apps because they're just the simplest, Google Docs and Google Spreadsheets being the most. So, for example, Google Spreadsheet for clients, I'll have, if there's a schedule, of let's say podcasts right for us you know there's one spreadsheet everyone can make changes in it everyone knows they save it as a favorite it's a central point of truth when's the next date deadline for that what is it who's responsible you know that sort of thing i I have i manage probably four or five of those as kind of like Hmm. the central point of truth for different clients um google docs are the same way where it's online and everyone has access to it and everyone can change it. Um, you know, you have to have rules around that. But of course, if somebody changes something, you can always revert back to the old version, which you can't do in Word. And you think about emailing Word documents back and forth. What's the most common question about any document you get? Is this the latest version? Right? Yeah. So in a which virtual environment... Which is this? Oh, yeah. God. I'm so sick of that. So Google Docs. <laughs> um, but there's other tools. You know, there's Google chat and uh there's slack those are like in, you know each of them have instant messaging things where somebody needs to reach you they can just ping you and it comes up on your screen um slack is has product project management functions in it i'm just starting to use that for a project what um, an ironic
1: name for productivity i know Off Slack,
2: right. but okay. you know it people and software engineers swear by slack they most okay. of my friends who are uh Software engineers use it. Um, I tended to use when I was back in tech more of the uh, any kind of instant message app, whether it's Slack or GChat, um, or it could be Yahoo Chat or Yahoo Instant Message, whatever. Um, yeah, I do think, and we've touched on this, the video meeting using video is uh, huge for uh, tools. So you've got right. Zoom, which we use. Right. Um, there's Skype. There's uh Google Hangouts, there's meeting, you know, use mm-hmm. whatever you want, but they're cheap or free. Google Hangout is free. Um oh Perfectly. Zoom is free actually too, if you just have one one user ID, I think.
1: Right. Good. Yep. these are all um, helpful.
2: I'll give you a couple others that I have used, don't love, but some people might. Basecamp Monday.com. Um, they are project management tools and for certain projects, they can work really well for my type of work. It's more features than I really have never, ever needed. So, but um, you know, those are, and then I think you have to be careful, like with those instant messaging things and Slack, you can get distracted with all of the, you know, you could, if you've got multiple people on your team and three people are sending you an instant message, you right. kind of get interrupted from your, so it, it's really up to personal preference to balance that. But I would say that the Google suite, Google docs, Google spreadsheet, and a video chat or a video call type software are probably my top three. What would you say for you, you know, with your clients or when you're working with us, what, what are your favorites? Oh,
1: tools? um, and, and I admit that I'm not as far into this as, as you and not, not familiar with all the different, different options, but, um, uh, been using and having good luck with Box lately uh, for larger larger documents, um, and that that's been been helpful. But yeah, I think Google Docs are, are, are pretty much the uh, the standard uh, fare uh, around here, and I've I've grown accustomed to Zoom and and like that. Um, more and more as time goes on. And I think that's part of this too, is, is familiarity makes you makes you feel better about what you're doing. You pick up some confidence. So anytime you, you give somebody a new tool, it's going to take them a little while to get up to speed. Some yeah, of us a little longer than others.
2: Well, and I would be remiss. I, I was remiss in failing to point out, it's on my list, but I skipped over it, Dropbox. Because document right. storage is a big thing. So when you're working remotely, you've got to have a central, I mean, that's the point is you have to have some central repository. You can't PC anywhere anymore. So you can't just dial into <laughs> the server, right? You But you've got to have a place where everybody stores their stuff. Everybody knows where it is. Everybody knows it's the latest version and everybody can work on it and collaborate. So Dropbox is another option. And I would have to say for those our listeners, primarily, you know, health systems and physician organizations, when you have an IT department that's so concerned about security and and privacy and safety and all that of the data, Dropbox is something that more of them use than Google. I know that, you know, some of the larger organizations, you can't use Google. So Dropbox and Box, because I think Box will even give you a BAA, right? A business associate agreement. Isn't Box one of those? That's, that's, I haven't, I haven't
1: reviewed it, but that's my understanding. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so that's that's important in healthcare. Um, I want to mention one other tool because I've only recently heard about it, and I'm going to check it out. It's called 155.com and it's one five, and then the word five.com. It's a newer platform that allows you to check in with your virtual teams, autom- in an automated way, and ask them like, "How are you feeling this week? Um, what you know? Where do you need my help?" as a, you know, virtual manager asking, where do you need my help? Where could you use more support? I think it's, the, I just heard about it. And I think it's really cool for checking in with your people, you know, it goes back to that relationship, right? And staying connected, that feeling of not letting people just be uh, strung out and feeling isolated up there remotely.
1: Oh, another good, another good suggestion, something we should, we should check out. This has been, this is a helpful discussion of actual tools and what you've used and what, what seems to work, so... Thank you for that. We're um, we're, we're pushing up uh, towards our deadline here, Tothi, but I want to give you the uh, uh, option to g- give us any final thoughts on this topic.
2: Well, you know what? I do want to mention co-working because I realized I was going to earlier and I, I overlooked it. Co-working is something that can really be beneficial. I have used coworking spaces for a number of years at different periods and what coworking spaces are and you hear about a big one now called WeWork. Um, there was one here in Tucson called Connect Coworking. They're in most major cities now and it's this place where you can, for very reasonable rent, you can either get drop-in space, which means you've got to pack in your computer and everything else and then take everything with you when you leave or you can rent a permanent desk or you can mm-hmm. rent an office. But unlike those places of yesterday where, you know, you had a receptionist and a place that received your packages, this is just a place for you to go, be with other humans, be in a cool space. Usually they have a, there's always beer, <laughs> there's always coffee. Um, you can meet people, you can network. I think coworking spaces are really an important option. In fact, so important that, you know, people who are looking at allowing their people to, their teams to work virtually should consider that as a benefit, as part of their comp package, if people want ah, it. good um, idea. Yeah, because I paid like, it for the drop-in space, it was $99 a month. I mean, it's oh. not expensive. Even for the resident desk was, I think, $350. So if you have somebody who really has trouble working at home or feeling isolated, the co-working space is important. So my advice is that you've got to make sure that if people are feeling isolated, you know, we know this is a number one issue, you know from the survey data give them options co-working is one of them secondly you've got to think if you're managing a virtual team you got to think like a coach and a leader versus a manager so the micromanaging can really become a problem when remote workers are remote it feels differently than if you're in the office and can just drop in and say something when you send something over an email or a phone to a virtual worker who doesn't, isn't connected to you all the time and doesn't see you every day, I think it feels harsher. So you really need to think about asking questions, thinking about that coach, you know, how are, what support do you need from me? How are you feeling today? What's going on in your life? Um, How can we do this better together? Those kinds of how questions and, and getting at the why of maybe why something is not going well, some collaboration. And then third, I would say um, video, 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 video. (laughs) This is my big new cause celeb, Mike, is (laughs) it really makes a difference for virtual workers to have everybody working on video. And we didn't mention this about Zoom, but for those who haven't used Zoom or GoToMeeting or whatever, you know, you can have your whole virtual or your whole team on all these boxes. It looks like Hollywood squares on the screen. Everybody's there. And it's just really makes a difference for remote people. So I, I highly recommend a virtual meeting platform.
1: De- definitely a better way to communicate, right?
2: Yep. So those are my tips. Was that helpful? Do you
1: think we helped the Very, folks? very helpful, Tothi. And I think with that, we, we've come to the end of another episode of Sound uh, Practice. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you like what you heard today, uh, please tell a colleague, listen and, and subscribe.
2: Yes, and we'd really appreciate if you would rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Google Play. We would love to know if, you know, you like our episodes, and we'd love to have you pass, pass things along, like Mike said, to your colleagues.
1: In, in all sincerity, we, we do appreciate um, reviews. And if anybody would like to give us feedback directly uh, or make a suggestion about the podcast, please email us at feedback at soundpracticepodcast.com.
2: Yes, and please join us for our next episode. Don't forget, we release one every other Wednesday.
0: You've been listening to Sound Practice, the business podcast for physicians and practice leaders. Check out the show notes for this episode at soundpracticepodcast.com. If you have any suggestions about future episodes, we'd love to hear them. Email us at info at soundpracticepodcast.com. Subscribe to Sound Practice wherever you listen to podcasts. Sound Practice is presented and produced by the team at Green Branch Publishing. For the best in practice management, journals, books, newsletters, and on demand programming for physicians and practice executives, visit greenbranch.com.